Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. Today I'm joined by Sophie Killip. Sophie is an eating disorder and body image therapist and works with her clients to help them heal their relationship with food, body and self. Sophie joins us today to discuss navigating change, including changes in our bodies, our lives, through recovery and how to navigate these changes. Hello Sophie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be here today. (laughs) Yeah, it's so lovely. I feel like we it was so nice chatting to you when we did like the initial podcast and I feel like we just got on so well that we could probably talk for a long time about nothing to do with what we're going to talk about um (laughs) but yeah I'm so excited to just have a really nice chat and kind of get down to things with you and I also was thinking just before we started this like it's a perfect time to record things about change because the weather is actually starting to change um which is very exciting I think because it's getting slightly warmer and it's still kind of light at quarter past six. Yeah, kind of. I've also gone through this like wild experience today because I'm, um, I've got like this big window in front of me, and it's gone from being so sunny and blue this morning to just like literally hailing. And I'm no. like, what is going on? But it's just so true, like how much change there is even in a day. So yeah, it's been wow. it's been wild. Yeah, I we had snow last week. I don't know about you. Um, if I had snow, I cycled to work, didn't look at the weather and then had to cycle back in the snow, which was not fun. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I've actually swerved the snow, which oh. is crazy because I live in Manchester and everybody usually thinks of Manchester as like the coldest, most mm-hmm. rainy place on the planet. <laughs> But I think the rain actually stopped it from snowing, like it was still snowing, but it just didn't stick. And then I got pictures from people in Sheffield um, and even my parents' family home in Derby, like, and there was just so much snow everywhere. So, yeah, we just didn't really get any of it. Um, And it was it was just nice yesterday, I think, because it was like, no, Sunday, it was like 12 degrees and I felt like I was just defrosting (laughs) yeah like my my bones were just melting away it was so nice Uh, coming out of hibernation (laughs) I was in the Lake District at the weekend uh and on we're like we went down uh, up on the Friday and the weather warnings were like don't travel like the Pennines are awful and then there's a bit of snow but I didn't really see anything so I think I think we kind of skirted it as well so um clearly got a talent for missing the snow um But yeah, let's get started with the podcast. So I'm really excited to hear about your journey um, of working in eating disorders. So how did that start for you? And how did it come about with a particular focus on body image? So with the eating disorders, I always try and think about like, when was I first really interested in that area? And I think 
probably just deciding to volunteer when I was in my final year of uni I volunteered with First Steps mm-hmm. which I think you're familiar with oh yeah um, and I was an <laughs> online befriender there yeah charity. <laughs> um, got to do some training through them yeah they're they're really awesome they actually are so close to my family home so that's kind of how I discovered them like this is back in like I don't even know maybe 20 2015 so it feels like ages ago that um and also I think growing up and just being really interested in food in my relationship with food I studied food technology at school my mum she's a food technology teacher or she was and I think we were just so immersed in all of that I was really encouraged to kind of eat like a variety of different foods and to try out different things so yeah I've just always loved food basically um and found it really just found our relationship with food a really curious topic of how that can change kind of from being children all the way into like being a teenager and then into your 20s when a lot of people go to uni and then kind of going and and being in like um the working world as well and you know we're talking a lot about change today aren't we and I can certainly see how my relationship with food but particularly my body has changed over the years and for me body image and body image work is it just holds a very special place in my heart um just because of like my personal experiences with it when I was a teenager and kind of in my early 20s I really really struggled with negative body image and looking back on it now I realize how much importance I placed on my appearance and how it was such a big part of my self-worth for so long so not to say that you know every day is an amazing body image day for me I've definitely kind of focused more on the acceptance side of it but yeah focusing more on like what my body can do for me and really kind of practicing that like body gratitude it's just been so healing for me personally and when I speak about it with clients I see that you know, it just makes so much sense to them as well of like, you know, your body is an instrument, not an ornament. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would say that's, yeah, just some of the most meaningful work that I do, to be honest. So yeah, it's kind of how I ended up as uh, an eating disorder and body image therapist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think you're so right. Like, you know, our body image, it does play such a massive part. Um, But I also think it, it's kind of pushed on us by society for it to play such a massive part and you're almost a uh, anomaly if you don't um kind of whether it's I don't know you love your body or you hate your body if, if you've not really got any emotion around it it's kind of that's not the norm um mm-hmm. so what do you think like really impacts the way that we see our body and kind of the feelings we have around our body image Yeah, I mean, it's so true what you've just said there, that it's normalized to place appearance as something that's this really, really important thing. And I think that it only sort of takes looking at like different beauty ideals, particularly like the strive for thinness with women um, and how much objectification goes on with women as well, where we're really just seen to be these decorations that are to be looked at so yeah already from such a young age we're exposed to this kind of um you know 
idea of what we need to look like from as young as primary school magazines at least when I was younger obviously social media these days diet culture and just how it shows up everywhere um, I think those are huge things that can influence our, our body image but really body image is the way that we see ourselves when we look in the mirror or when we picture ourselves in our own mind and so it encompasses the thought the feelings the perceptions that we have about the way that we look so for example you know if our mood is low or if we're feeling anxious about something then we're actually more likely to then experience negative thoughts about the way that we look and I always found that really confusing at first of how our mood can then suddenly impact the way that we actually see ourselves but when we're placing a lot of worth based on how we look and we have a difficult day and we feel kind of rubbish about ourselves, then that's why it's so easy to sort of turn to our appearance and see that as like, oh, that must be the thing that's wrong with me. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I just I, I can't even hone that in enough of just how much our thoughts and our feelings it is really the thing that affects how we feel about ourselves and the way that we look. Mm. I want to come back in a second so don't let me forget to the like body ideals and, and the changes because I think that's a really important topic but I just wanted to kind of focus in on what you were saying about your like how mood affects your body image because I think that to me has always boggled my mind as well um and especially as uh, I used to um have body dysmorphia so it would boggle me even more in that the way that I was feeling about you know whether I was depressed or whether I was happy or you know whether I was angry or whatever completely changed the way that I saw the reflection in my mirror in the mirror and I just think that's fascinating and actually I don't know whether like you have any thoughts about this but it's I always now and this is such a difficult thing to do but try and like not even think about the way that my body looks because actually it's a complete distortion of what's what I've internalized so you know I could have internalized that my legs look a certain way and that my arms look a certain way and I'm doing that in comparison to somebody else and actually what's in the reflection like it's not even it's not even real um which then does then go like oh my god then what the hell is real um but I think it's so interesting that dependent on your mood the way that you see yourself can be so different I know yeah it is it's wild to think about it like that and I know that for me I'm susceptible to going into that like existential crisis of like well <laughs> if this is not real then what is real and who are we and where are we going in life <laughs> yeah like when we actually focus more on not so much the external appearance but how we're feeling internally and really that kind of um, just that subjective experience, that like embodiment of what it feels like to be living inside of our bodies. That's the thing that we can always go back to um, because our external appearance, it, it literally can change from hour to hour, definitely on kind of a, a mental level but also on a physical level as well like with bloating you know with mm. kind of waking up first thing in the morning and going to bed at night and there are just so many changes that go through our bodies every day that expecting it to just be this like still image is just so unrealistic and I think that I guess going on to that like 
perfectionism can be a really big thing that influences our bodies because we are expecting ourselves to kind of just stay as these like statues or to fit into this mold of whatever society deems to be the most beautiful at that time um and and it's just it's not realistic and so that's where I think with the perfectionism it can kind of lead to that self-criticism and obviously thoughts influence feelings and feelings influence thoughts but if we're feeling quite anxious or if we're feeling angry we might then be more susceptible to that self-criticism and picking out our perceived flaws so it just creates this vicious cycle of of negative body image and I think that what you said there of like trying not to actually focus too much on the way that you look can be so empowering because it just takes the pressure away it takes the the value away from this thing that is constantly changing and and it's and it's empowering because it's like well how, how do I actually feel like screw everybody else and society mm. and expectations and judgments so yeah yeah I think that what you've just said there about like everybody else's expectations I think is a is a really interesting piece because and I wanted to come back to like the body ideals anyway but it's so interesting how not only you know over the years like if we look back at body ideals and stuff then there's been some wild changes it's gone from you know like the the thin chic to like big bum big boobs now it's like strength is the new skinny whatever I don't even know where we're at now because I try and keep my head out of it but that's so difficult to keep up with if you try and like sustain the ideal body type but something that I've been thinking about more so recently is like everybody in the world actually has a different ideal body type like it might be that society is pushing these glamorized ones but not necessarily everybody else is going to be following those um so if you do try and have the perfect body for everyone well that's never going to happen so actually you've got to you've 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 got to at some point well hopefully realize that actually it's 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 about how you feel rather than how your body looks which is so difficult with all the external pressures and stuff um Mm -hmm. and I was just about to say there like you've got to look how you feel happy but actually I think it comes further back than that even more in that it's not like we said before it's not about how you look it's about how you feel so as long as you're you're feeling good in yourself which doesn't necessarily mean that you'll look a certain way that's kind of Mm. I guess the end goal would you say yeah definitely and as you were talking there I was thinking about how I think it's easy for us to turn to our appearance and judge ourselves for how we look because it's a way to kind of project our feelings onto something that is that we can see because how we feel our emotions they're such a abstract and difficult thing to explain sometimes but we know that we can always see the way that we look and I think that's why you know we're well a lot of people are very quick to judge people's appearance or to comment on appearance because it's so accessible and Mm -hmm. so if we're then not feeling good in ourselves if we're feeling you know unworthy or if we're feeling uncomfortable or if we're feeling anxious which is obviously quite an uncomfortable emotion it's almost easier to then just literally project it 
onto the mirror and be like, oh, I don't like how I look. When like what you really mean is I'm feeling uncomfortable in how I'm feeling right now. I know that's so deep, but like, <laughs> um, I think that's why body image and like, um, you know, low self-esteem and low self-worth can be so interconnected with one another. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I think what you were saying about, you know, even if we just think about, you know, if somebody's having a bad time, they maybe might not put makeup on because they're, too upset or, or whatever to put makeup on and just simple things like that like that's a a real reflection of of how you're feeling but I think especially when it comes to eating disorders people do try and manipulate their body whether that's to gain weight to lose weight in order to kind of say something's happening right now and I can't actually vocalize that so I think food is often used as a as a vehicle for that which then has the long-term impact of affecting affecting your body so I think you're completely right in that mm. it's really a way I think it's a way of saying you know something's not right but also I think it's a way of trying to feel superior you know if you if you have the idealized body type then the world can be falling apart underneath you but it's okay because I'm you know if you think about maybe I'm muscular or I'm slim or whatever I've got these qualities like nothing else matters because my body mm. my body looks good quote unquote yeah. good yeah, that's so true. I mean, really, and this is also no judgment, but it's very ego based, isn't it? And it's mm -hmm. a way of somehow trying to control a situation where other things in your life feel very out of control, which is also what we see when it comes to food as well. And just to go back to what we were talking about beauty ideals, um, Okay, so Marilyn Monroe, right? Like we often kind of see her as, oh, like Marilyn Monroe, she, she was really curvy. Like, why can't we go back to those um, like beauty ideals? Marilyn Monroe was very petite. She was actually very, um, very thin. She was in a small body. And yet we see her as like this curvy mama that really like goes against the thinness ideal. She actually like would have met the thinness ideal. And again, that is no judgment on her whatsoever, but just an example of how we just constantly see this kind of thinness ideal going through our society. And then also um, social media and filters. Filters mm -hmm. like just bring up this deep anger within me of like, why are people creating these strange things that go over the top of your face and change your appearance so that you've got a more defined jawline a smaller nose bigger eyes whatever to sort of quote unquote make yourself look more beautiful and then all of these teenagers or vulnerable people or whoever are using them and thinking oh gosh I need to look more like that it just it, it absolutely infuriates me I think they need to be banned from society I don't know your opinions on it but um yeah I'm taking a stand <laughs> yeah I completely agree I remember um I think I've spoken about this on the podcast before so sorry for the listeners if I'm repeating myself but um I was at my partner's um sister's house and we were looking at something on Instagram and I was like that doesn't look anything like her and um 
my partner's sister was like yeah Hannah is edited and I was like no because like everything's like a different shape to normal she was like yeah you can do that and I was like oh hold on sorry a filter to me is like a sun-kissed glow over your face and she was like no you can literally like there's things that auto like auto correct I'm doing quote marks there um mm-hmm. and they'll make you you know have the idealized characteristics and I genuinely was completely this was this was literally this Christmas like I am a very out of touch 26 year old apparently um and I just thought wow so I as a 26 year old wasn't aware of this like what about my 14 year old niece that is going on Instagram and seeing all of these pictures and then thinking I need to look like these people but they don't even look like them um and I think it just it it builds this like even if I do you know like a filter where you change the color tone or whatever you then look in the mirror and you're like oh my god who the hell is that um because Mm -hmm. it's so different so actually if you're completely like morphing your body into a different shape or size that's surely got to have a massive impact when you then look in in the mirror or see your body like that again that change from what you maybe were expecting Mm -hmm. because your brain has made yourself think well that's how you look now yeah exactly so true and I guess even if we're thinking about like people you know actually changing the way that they look through plastic surgery or fillers Mm. Botox things that you know becoming just so 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 common um and then you know if you're comparing yourself to somebody that's had those treatments done Mm. like you you are going to look look different to that and I just think that influencers need to kind of put these disclaimers out there of like hey these are the things that I've had done just so yeah. they can understand the reality uh, of it all that actually you know they have like manipulated their body or their face in some way and do you know what like I don't feel like I can sit here and and, and make judgment on that because that's really up to that person in fact like I've had my teeth done for example um but I just think it's something that people need to be a bit more honest about because it's so, yeah, it just really contributes to how we see ourselves, um, you know, body image on like a wider level, really. So, yeah. Do you think that people that are going to have life-changing surgery, such as plastic surgery, you know, or they're going to have some adjustment made, do you think that they should be offered therapy before they go for that surgery or they shouldn't be involved yeah I do think that they should at least be offered it I think that obviously it's still you know down to that person as to whether or not they decide to go ahead with it but because changing your body doesn't necessarily change your body image I think it's important that people understand the reality of what they're about to go through that just because because they change this certain aspect of the way that they look doesn't mean that they're suddenly going to feel whole again because as we were saying before like the negative body image is essentially a projection of kind of what you're really going through internally um and if you think that that's going to fix absolutely everything then it it's yeah it's a lie that I think a lot of the beauty industry can kind of sell us as well so yeah I I definitely have no fear in saying that I think people should be offered therapy um before going through with a procedure like that to really make sure that they're in the right headspace because so many people that don't do go into procedures like that 
they're going in because they're struggling with low self-worth at the time and then it becomes this domino effect of oh now I've had that done I need to have this done I need to have this done I need to have this done and that's where that body image distortion comes in as well I think probably so many people experience body dysmorphia without even realizing it and the fact that our appearance can change basic based on our mood day to day means that we can't just rely on how we look in the mirror every day to like fulfill us and make us feel really happy and whole inside so um yeah yeah I think um what you just said there like about people experiencing body dysmorphia and not even realizing completely think that the rates of body dysmorphia must be so much higher because I didn't realize that I had it until I went for therapy for an eating disorder and I I then got diagnosed because it's your perception so why would you ever doubt your perception and to being wrong unless you're kind of told that you have that distortion um but also I think you're so right in terms of just because you change something about your body that's not going to fix those emotions that are underneath like you said maybe the low self-esteem or kind of oh if I fix that then that's going to fix all these other problems that I have in my life and I think you could maybe um compare it to like a few years ago I was like screw this I'm going away and I went away for like a month and I thought that going away would mean all my problems would go away the problems still came with me I was just in a nicer place and still had all these problems and so I think that's a very similar thing in that you could change your body thinking that that's going to be the thing that is the issue but actually you know those emotions are still going to be there and like you said I think it becomes that kind of battle of okay now I've fixed x well now I'm not happy with y so now I need to go and do y and now actually y's can you know kind of okay but now I want to go and fix it um so I think mm-hmm. that like yeah I think it's really important that that's something that's kind of thought about beforehand um and I don't know actually if there's anything in place that does provide people that support but I'm gonna guess not yeah I would imagine that for the majority of services probably not hey hopefully there are some services out Mm -hmm. there that do offer that and if they do then that is you know so awesome but um yeah I'd imagine probably not and just to add on to what you were saying there of um, kind of it never being enough, it's perfectionism in its element really, isn't it? Because it's like, oh, well, you know, now I've fixed this thing, there's this thing that I need to do. And it's like, it's never going to be enough, which is what an eating disorder is as well. Like, no matter, you know, how much weight you want to try and lose or how much you want to try and control this aspect of food or, or whatever. It's just never, ever going to be enough. Um, and it's just so ugh, like nasty and, and icky and horrible. And I just want to give everybody a hug. If anybody is going to do that <laughs> right now, we'll give you a virtual hug. It's going to be okay. The world. I swear. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? You, When someone's struggling with body image, you just want to give them a big hug and say, you know, it's all going to be okay and like we're here for you. But something I, I really did want to touch on, um, maybe selfishly because <laughs> I want some tips, uh, but it's like you're changing body. Like naturally bodies change from when you're small to, you know, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s. We all go through changes. Um And I really wanted to talk about recovery and changes because not all the time, but, you know, I think bodies do change, whether that's gaining weight, 
losing weight um it might be that you gain more muscle lose muscle like so many things can happen through recovery and I think often that can be a really big thing that holds people back from recovery is because they do start to notice their body change and feel that discomfort um so when you're working with clients how do you navigate things like the the changes that people observe in their body yeah I think first of all it's really tricky isn't it because change is scary it means the unknown it means that we don't know what's going to be around the corner and it's definitely a parallel I think of like noticing the changes in our body and then just experiencing the changes of life as well so I'd almost be inclined to kind of with compassion of course kind of rip that plaster off and just really put it out there of hey change is going to happen Mm -hmm. it's a part of life and it's something that we can't avoid we can try and escape it but ultimately we are always going to have to face it I think for so many people, what's coupled with change is that fear. So we need to look at, you know, the anxiety around it and kind of find ways of of managing that, you know, what are your coping mechanisms for dealing with anxiety? How can you kind of be that grounded person for yourself as you're going through that recovery as well? Um, And I love the analogy of like the trees and then the branches and then the leaves, because the tree like the 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 tree itself is um, the thing that stays the most constant. And then you've got the branches and then you've got the leaves and the leaves are the things that maybe change more. So you have to be that like grounded tree stump for yourself or you know maybe it's kind of the people around you or certain things about your body that are going to generally speaking remain constant for example if we think about like the function of our bodies and what what our bodies can do for us hopefully throughout the majority of your life you're going to be able to hug the people that you love walk around go to the park go on holiday um see hear touch taste smell these are all things that generally speaking do remain a constant throughout our lives and so I think it's kind of remembering that those things are there whilst also acknowledging that change is something that constantly happens and it's okay you know you can get through it I think if anything feels scary when it comes to recovery it's just being that kind of best friend to yourself really isn't it Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing that I um, always try and hold on to is that, yes, change is scary. Change is my biggest fear, <laughs> uh, if I'm being honest. I am not a, a good adjuster. Um, but actually, I think it's often the anxiety associated with fear that's the worst thing rather than the actual thing itself. You know, if you if you think about, you know, moving cities or changing job or, you know, moving schools or whatever change you're going through it's it's I mean personally for me it's never been as bad as I've been expecting um and actually you know when you think about changes like that they're pretty sudden changes you know one day you could be living in Cambridge the next day you're living in Manchester that's quite a sudden change but you'll navigate it and you'll get through it but when it's body image when it's your body changing I think one thing I always hold on to is it's never 
you know you're not going to wake up tomorrow and look completely different to how you look today it is a gradual process which gives you more time to maybe accept the changes acknowledge the changes and really like check in with yourself about how they're making you feel and that's one thing that I think in in weight restoration is really important to hold on to because I think a lot of people and I'm like talking about anorexia here but they will worry about you know there's a reason I engaged in this eating disorder and that's because I didn't like my body at the time and I don't want to go back to that body um so I don't want to weight restore but actually it's like we were saying earlier with sort of you know whether you go for a plastic surgery operation or something it was never your body that was the problem there was emotions that were there and through recovery you'll work through those emotions which will then allow you to you might not go back to that body you might have a completely different body um but hopefully you'll get to a point where you're not dictated by by your body and you know difficult emotions will come in and you'll be able to feel comfortable in your body um rather than thinking oh my god I I don't want to be in this body anymore I've got to change it so I guess when it comes to that weight restoration and you might be thinking you know I don't want to um be in a bigger body I don't want to gain weight it's also about thinking like how is this eating disorder really serving you like what is it actually providing you right now when you think about the cons of the eating disorder and how it can keep us stuck and just trapped in that vicious cycle of like it's never enough it's never enough then I think in a way it's like there's not that much of the choice than just to kind of trust the process of, of maybe something else and kind of you know see what else is out there in terms of recovery something else I wanted to ask about as well because obviously we've just spoken about you know changing body and I don't just want to focus on going from a smaller body into a larger body but another thing that I wanted to ask you about um because I think we do live in a society where smaller bodies are praised so if your body weight is changing and it's going down you it will often be you know glorified or people will compliment you which is twisted anyway but um I guess those comments well in the long term they're not easier to navigate because in the long term your identity then revolves around that but I suppose for somebody that's recovering in a larger body and maybe they're gaining weight that would be seen as a negative so would you have any tips for navigating that change and the comments from others that could come alongside that? Do you mean in terms of like maybe judgmental comments or negative comments that people might receive if they're gaining weight? Yeah, I suppose even if they're positive, you know, like sometimes someone might say, oh, you're looking really well. Which is just Got not you. a nice comment to receive. And, and it doesn't really matter where it's coming from. I think it, when somebody is struggling with body image I think that the increase of weight can always be taken as a negative so I guess that's more what I was asking of comments around whether you're you know in a body that's small and then it's kind of getting bigger or you're existing in a larger body which is also getting bigger it's just navigating those comments about gaining weight yeah I mean it's no doubt that those comments come up 
you know, daily in our society. We might not always be the ones hearing those comments, but they can feel extremely triggering. And I guess there's a few different ways in which you could navigate it, depending on your relationship with that person, depending on how comfortable you feel. Obviously, one is kind of calling it out and saying, you know, I, I appreciate that um, you're, you're sharing something positive with me here. And I just want to let you know that um, comments like that can be somewhat unhelpful um, because I remember making comments when I was quite a bit younger um, like that. And I feel embarrassed now to think that I made those comments because I would never do that now. I really try and steer clear from commenting on appearance just in general, to be honest, because I don't it's always that helpful and it's so hard to get away from so I think just reminding yourself that you know usually people's intentions are all well and good and so just knowing that you know hopefully people aren't kind of you know actually trying to be really judgmental and negative and if they are then that's very much on them so reminding yourself of that And then either kind of calling it out and saying, hey, you know, I don't really find this too helpful. Um, And if not, just kind of centering back to yourself. I think so much about what I what we're kind of talking about today is regrounding yourself back into where you're at and who you are and what you want your recovery to look like, because you know what's helpful and you know the kind of recovery focus language that you can be saying to yourself. So it might be that, you know, you go home and you look at your reasons for recovery again, or you have a bit of a journaling session and you just write down the things that, you know, you need to be reminded of that moment when a trigger comes up for you. Like you're in control of that at the end of the day. We're not in control of the triggers around us and the triggers that we hear so often, but you then get to decide how you're going to react to that in some way Um, and just kind of going back to what you were saying before I think just really acknowledging change like when you were saying that change is something that's gradual particularly with your body you know um, like so many things are changing in our body as well just thinking about it now like our hair our nails and just even those really little kind of like minute things and so yeah we do have that time to kind of adapt and process and just really think about like, okay, this is how I'm feeling right now. There's some change that's going on for me. This is how I'm I'm going to sort of process it in some way. The more we acknowledge that things are happening rather than trying to run away from them, I think the more we just somehow are able to deal with those things. And I'm finding this a lot in my personal life at the moment that, you know, something happens and I'm trying to sort of think differently about it. But actually, we don't always need that CBT route of like challenging thoughts just by acknowledging that a thought is there and then letting it land and then letting it dissipate can actually be so much more powerful than trying to constantly challenge every single thought that's coming up for you. I feel like I'm going off on a bit of a tangent now, really, but I just think that is such an amazing coping mechanism for really anything that we've talked about so far. Mm. yeah it's it's really interesting actually that you should say that because um I earlier was in a therapy session and um you know various personal things going on and I said to my therapist right now 
I just need to go and sit in the clouds and get away from this um, because I don't I don't want to. There's nothing I can do. It's all out of my control. Nothing is in my control. And I would just quite like to go up and, and sit and, and just, you know, to, to let it be. And she was like, you know, there is a time and a place where that sort of avoidant response is actually OK, because if you can't do anything about it, then that's perfectly OK to go and sit above the clouds and just kind of be at one with it all and to just sit with it and I think sometimes we can try so much to control things and change things that are so out of our control so I think it's really focusing in on like what is within your reach and what are you just going to kind of burn out trying to change um yeah and something else I just wanted to say as well in terms of change you know it made me think of it when you said like everything's changing like you know our hair and all of this and one of my friends um who knows that I am not good with change uh was like let's try and increase your susceptibility to change and actually every day just notice like five things that have changed that are actually you know you you wouldn't have even noticed before like the orientation of a flower or the the positioning of a teaspoon on your counter like those things it's totally fine like they've happened and the world hasn't exploded you're still fine and she was just saying to keep doing that and then maybe bigger things like oh the car outside is parked differently or what have you and then you can maybe start to notice things about yourself but really increasing that susceptibility to then know okay so you know, going back to what you said earlier about things like bloating, which I think in recovery is a really difficult thing to go through. Okay, I'm bloated right now. It will pass. World's not exploded. I'm still here. It's totally cool. And it really Mm -hmm. just lets you kind of, again, kind of float up into the clouds. Can't do anything about it. Just got to be with it. Yeah, it's just that acceptance of change Mm -hmm. happening and that change is all around us. And when we think about it, change can be seen as something that is actually really beautiful. It's a part of life and it allows the fluidity of life. It allows us to have freedom that an eating disorder can, you know, really trap us in. So, yeah, I think that that is so calming and reassuring that you can actively choose to notice the changes that are happening and perhaps also notice how that anticipatory anxiety actually be so much bigger than the actual thing that's happening um and what's really at the center i would say of fear and anxiety is the belief of i'm not going to be able to handle it And so by doing those little exercises like, oh, hey, look, like that car's just driven past. It's just moved from one place to the next. Or, oh, like, I mean, even if you have like a haircut, you know, that's a change that you go through as well. Um, That can be a really exciting change. (laughs) Yeah. So And initially um, you feel anxious and you're like, oh, how's it going to look on me? And then you do it. You're like, oh, my God, I look amazing. Or you think, wow, this is the worst mistake of my life it's going to grow back and it's totally fine it does yeah it's all going to be okay and so you're basically giving yourself that evidence of hey I can deal with these changes around me so I can deal with other changes that happen in my life as well and I think in doing that you really build up that self-confidence that stuff that's really coming from within and, you know, you can just take on the rest of the world as soon as you're <laughs> showing yourself that that you really can do it. So, 
um yeah I think that's a great little exercise for people to practice and also just to put it out there I am the worst at change like my friend Emily she always says this to me she's like I know you do find it difficult with change and I'm like <laughs> oh I really do and I don't even always like to admit it to myself sometimes because I am somebody that's moved around quite a bit I've lived in different countries I've worked at different organizations and I guess I have been able to get through them but certainly at the beginning stages of all of that you know there is a lot of the the anxiety and the um and so yeah I, I think also just normalizing that that change is hard and that change is something that a lot of people do find it difficult to go through is it's reassuring you know you're not alone in going through those difficult changes yeah I think you've knocked the nail on the head in that it's the fear of not being able to handle the change and it's it's that lack of trust in self and that lack of self-confidence that means that we do really fear the change and so if you're able to kind of build those foundations of, of knowing that whatever happens like you will be there you'll be your number one fan and and you'll get through it and yeah it might be tough like I'm not saying it's going to be rainbows and sparkles the whole way through it might be a really tough time but equally, I think out of that, you know, you'll learn, you'll develop and, and grow. And so even the kind of toughest changes can often have positive impacts. Um, and I just wanted to add as well that I also hate change so much that whenever I'm going on holiday, I literally will like refuse to pack until the last minute because I'm like, I just I just don't think I want to go like it's going to be awful like you know all these things in my head running around the last holiday I went on I then cried when I had to get on the plane because I didn't want to leave and it's just like so annoying because I have all that like I don't want to go I don't want to go and then I'm like I'm not going home I'm having the best time for yeah life. I don't want to go home now either yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's definitely a lot of catastrophizing that can go on <laughs> in your brain when it comes to that change um which you know we're all susceptible aren't we to those different like unhelpful thinking styles catastrophizing jumping to conclusions I think something that can come up for quite a lot of people is the unhelpful thought of weight gain means that nobody is ever going to find me attractive ever again or weight gain means that I'm going to gain so much weight that I'm not going to be able to move, you know, so just those really quite like um, blowing things out of proportion. And when we actually kind of rationalize with it and see that, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. It's like, oh, okay, everything's gonna be all right now. And if it's not challenging thoughts, if that kind of feels like it's becoming too exhausting, then yeah, as you were saying about just kind of letting it be, I really love that approach to thoughts sometimes of just kind of detaching yourself from them. It's not even always about avoiding them completely, but it's about recognizing, okay, that thought is there. I know I can't push it away right now because it is so at the forefront of my own mind. So I'm going to let it be. And in letting it be and accepting that it's there, it somehow then starts to dissipate and trust the process with that one because I never believed that that would work. And it really, really does. It comes from, I think, ACT, Acceptance and Commitment mm -hmm. Therapy, um, which I guess is sort of like an off branch of CBT for people that are not familiar with ACT. 
Um, and I think it just kind of like explains another way of coping with our thoughts that's not always trying to challenge every single one because we have over 6,000 thoughts a day. And if you're struggling with negative body image or an eating disorder, most of them are gonna be centered around food and body image. So mm. don't feel like you have to challenge every single thought you have about food and about your body. Yeah, just get rid of the black and white thinking. That's what we need to do doesn't have to be that yeah. all or nothing there's there's shades of gray in there and they're great places to be um they are. thank you so much <laughs> sophie it's been so lovely to chat to you where can people find out more about you and your and all the yeah. amazing stuff that you're doing oh thank you yeah it's been so lovely to chat with you um so you can find me on instagram i actually just changed my handle today um to eating disorder therapist underscore it used to be underscore eating disorder therapist uh, my website <laughs> is foodbodyself.co.uk and i have also recently started a new venture with my amazing friend rebecca called project prevented which is where we are going into schools and delivering workshops and talks on eating disorder prevention and um disordered eating prevention so you can find us at project prevented on instagram amazing well best of luck with that that sounds awesome um and also exciting with the new handle on instagram um but yeah it's been it's been a pleasure to chat to you so thank you very much for joining me thank you so much for having me hannah take care if you enjoyed listening today you won't want to miss next week's episode so be sure to subscribe Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support or talk to someone you trust.